Hi, welcome to Great Minds Don't Think Alike. Uh, you're listening to Sin Nation with me, Christian. Me, Eamon. And me, Cal. And today we're going to be talking about primary education uh, and then transitioning from primary education to secondary education and just basically our experiences and expectations at those various stages of our primary and secondary education. And uh, later on the show, we'll be featuring an interview with Tom Middleditch, a performing arts student from Monash University who is also on the spectrum and will be talking to us about an exciting new idea called Spectrum Theatre which uh, he was created to explore issues relating to autism and other things as well. Uh, You can remember to like us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash greatmindsonsin. And you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, GMDTASYN. And today we're going to be talking about primary and secondary education, and we're going to start off with primary. So good and the bad of primary, socialising, schoolwork, Mm. parents, teachers, students, the whole schmozzle. So it wasn't really that long ago for me. I well, a- academically, I certainly I'm I'm quite lucky. I didn't really have any problems there. If 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 anything, I was usually pretty advanced, like English and maths and all the all, all the basics. I suppose that was one of the smart kids. But socially, until about uh, year five and six, so until I was eleven and twelve, it really really was quite difficult. Well, well, between the, the years between sort of prep, the early years where there's a lot of innocence still there and kids tend to be a little bit more sort of naively accepting of different people but then when sort of like pre-pubescent oh no, not, not, not pre-pubescent but when, when a little bit of that naivete started to be lost I found it a little bit difficult to really connect with any kids um, but it might be different for, for you two yeah. well look, look yeah I, I God primary school was so long ago for me I don't really remember it that well um, yeah, it, it is an interesting sort of stage in the learning cycle. It's it's where students, you know, acquire their foundation for learning. It teaches, you know, the the very basics. And so I think it is an incredibly important stage. And I think it's important that students learn how to develop themselves whilst they're in primary school. I think... Um, Look, looking from a disability perspective, from my own experiences, my schools were pretty good with it. Um, a lot, I think, I do owe to my mother because she would fight with them and push, you know, push for them to, you know, give me all the services that I was entitled to. But I think, um, yeah, look, the I think the thing about primary school is it's one of the few times where you're taught just by the one specific teacher, with the odd exception. And I think it's really the teachers do play an incredible role in child's development. Um, I appreciate it's an incredibly stressful job to all the teachers out there listening to you. I fully support you. Um, I just think, yeah, look, autism is something definitely you should all be aware of, especially teachers. Mate, you really have to realise there are some teachers who are terrible Especially when it comes to like, yeah. you really realize well, they're terrible by how much they how how they treat their their special kids. Um, yeah, special it's sort of the, it brings well, out well, the, the best one, and the worst. Any, in any teacher listening to this show, I assume, would not. Yeah, fall they, under that they, they 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 wouldn't I, be the like ones that I would be talking about. Um, 
True. Yes. So yeah, quite quite a few teachers are trying, and, and you're right. It is it is mm. such a difficult job because you know when it, it's it's so easy from a single parent or single sorry for, from a p- point of view of just one parent or one child to think you know it's it's your job to look after my child, but from the teacher's perspective, it's their job to look after what twenty five odd kids in the one room. So yeah. twenty five to yeah. one. I yeah. Can't, yeah. I um, you know, being looking after kids, you know, babysitting for me. I love kids. They're you know they're great, but like I'm tired out. Like after a couple of hours of just having them watch a TV show, let alone having to teach them how to do arithmetic, language, and all the you know all all the basic essentials in order to be functioning in society. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the, it's a mixture of the the academic stuff and also just the simple you know, crowd mm. control, classroom control, making sure everyone's safe, making sure no one is bullying each other. All the all the social stuff as well as the the more yeah the more intellectual stuff of actually explaining the actual teaching. You know why are they there? They're here to learn, not just to be babysat. So it's difficult to combine that. But but I think you know really the. Uh, that this is really what Cal I think was was saying that mark of a good teacher is that they're even if it's difficult they're they're willing to keep learning and they are they are trying and they're and they're open to be to be ha- to, to have uh, aspects of autism explained to them so so as long as they just keep trying and as long as they don't shove themselves off because it's it's quite easy to do that it's especially it's, it's easy to sort of hide between sorry hide behind years of experience as a teacher you know, like I have uh, some of them may, maybe think that I've got thirty years. Uh, experience with teaching I don't really there's nothing really new you can teach me and I, I think it was what one autism expert so to speak said that quite resonated quite well it was you know teachers like teachers who have that attitude well no they don't have 30 years of teaching experience they've got the one year ex- of experience repeated 30 times so it's difficult but but as long as they're still willing to have that two-way learning and as, and as long as they're as, as long as they keep making an effort that's that's really all you can expect from them mm. Um, oh, yeah, primary school, yeah, you know, it's a very trying time. You're very young, you don't know what the hell is going on. Um, uh, do you find it, uh, are there any similarities between us three? Like, I, I, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I, I, one of the teachers, I think, said to my mother, uh, he just hangs out inside his own world. And I'm just like, well, yes. yeah. <laughs> I was, um, I was very different. I remember in um, when I first started in primary school, I said um, I used to tell people I was an alien, and that was my explanation for why my I kept writing letters back to front, and <laughs> that was sort of this made-up running joke I sort of had. But I remember on my last day of primary school, or so of um, prep, my teacher said to me, she said, you know, Eamon, I remember on the first day you said to me. You know, you were an alien and you were different and I thought that was ridiculous. Now that I know you, that's actually... You clearly are quite different to all the other students and it's not that far of a stretch. So, look, I think... um, She said it in a very affectionate way and it's always resonated with me that we do need to acknowledge that a lot of children are different. There's a lot of things that kids need to learn socially to be able to do and there is philosophically a question... But, yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, there is a lot that we need to learn with children and help them to develop. And now we're going to go into the transition between primary and secondary. 
which I'm happy to report was actually very easy, but partly because C of five and six were definitely the best years of my primary schooling. Mm. So it was actually a very smooth transition. I, I mean, my mum my made sure that she, that she, she, talk, she talked to the, the counsellor and, and the coordinators and let, let them know that I was autistic and that you know, she was basically prepared to be coming in every single day having problems. So all the support networks were set up, but none of them had to be used, as it turned out. In, in, in high school. In primary school, they were used constantly, but particularly before I moved to a, to a different school that was a bigger school that was better able to accommodate me. But in, in high school, uh, not, just none of that was necessary. It, it, a lot of it just took care of itself. I was, I was ready, really, by that point to, to build friendships or at least, at least get to know people, like getting to the point where I was able to uh, see them outside of school and where I felt comfortable with that was a little bit of a, the next step. But just being getting along with them within school hours and getting to know them, I was, I was ready to do that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I was too. It was like, I, I, mean, I like to say that my autism was slightly less relevant when I was going, going into high school because it didn't particularly matter. Everybody it wasn't like kind of the same boat. You didn't know anybody, and you were just sitting there going, telling your thumbs, going, "Well, hi, I'm like, hi, my friend, okay." Um, well, well, the more important thing, I suppose, to my mind is how do you, how does how does how does child and parent know which school to go to? Like for me, it was kind of strenuously obvious. We, uh, we went to I think it was two. We went and saw two public schools, and one of them, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going there. Like I know a couple of people who are going there, and it seems to be the better. It just seems to be head and shoulders the better choice. At least, at least inside my mind, and my mother agreed, so it's, it was fine. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah what, are you, what are your thoughts on sort of like choosing a, uh, a high school? How do you communicate from parent to child? You, you, especially if you don't have a choice. It's like, this is the one school. Especially if you use other people out in the country. It's like, you have one school and you only have to go there. And it's just like, well, I don't have a choice. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I think in, in in those cases you probably have to sort of focus on at least getting the the bare minimum right, which is okay. You're you're at school to to learn primarily, so okay, make make sure that they're at least having a reasonable, uh, a decent relationship with their teacher and that they're progressing well academically and and socially. If school is really just not working there, then you might have to look into you know, there's lots of extracurricular stuff or mm. you know, the, the other kids in the neighbourhood or just all these other... Because it, it is possible to, to get socialising from uh, from other places. I mean, you sort of have to think a little bit creatively sometimes. Yeah. But hopefully, I don't know, they have a, a hobby or a special interest that will enable that. But, yeah, just, just if, if you're stuck with just one choice of school, then, you know, you, you do really have to it sort of make sure you at least get the... Put the, the support minimum. structures in. Because mm. yeah. in, in case the school doesn't, you know, like hasn't had any exposure with, you know, people who are neurologically different. Yeah, exactly. well, I went to... Um, look, I like my primary school. I remember the transition to high school was a little bit difficult. I, I basically chose this school I wanted to go to based entirely on my best friend was going there. Um, well, sometimes that can be a good look, decision. If well, you have one best friend, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it was, look, with him, in mate. hindsight, that was a terrible, terrible decision. He's a, yeah, but um, look, I, I went there. I was there for two years and I changed schools because it was so bad. It was a very draconian school. Um, 
a special they they were obsessed with everyone wearing suits like the blazer and ties in melbourne it's like what country are we in it is hot plus there was something wrong especially the vice principal she had this weird i think she had an asphyxiation fetish because she'd just go up to you and start trying to choke you to death by adjusting your <laughs> collar I swear, I wish I knew now Just, that that is actually legally assault and they cannot touch a student, but they've violated that so many times. It, it's called preparing you for the workplace. Well, in the <laughs> workplace, that's harassment. You can't go up and try to strangle an employee. Yeah, but you have to wear a suit and you're kind of strangled, metaphorically, anyway. Yeah, but but, but I think like one of the important things <laughs> here is that and, and it's not just with the uniform. It's it's in a lot of other cases mm. where it looks like the child is just sort of being difficult and tr- you know just trying to be a smartass. They're they're not. It could well be yeah. sensory issues. It could be well. I mean, it's so easy to mistake taking things literally for being a smartass because sometimes I know there's plenty of students that just pretend that they don't understand. So. You know, it's a, say if like the teacher says, "Okay, do these questions," and a student goes, "Ah, this isn't a question. This is a statement." You know what I mean when I say do the questions. But yeah. for, for who knows, for for a neurodivergent person, that just might completely trip them up because they might be trying mm. to follow your instructions exactly, and 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 that's the sort yeah. of byproduct. Look, I think my my um, the high school I switched to was much better. I think it was um, that it was. Sort of look. It was a um, somewhat alternative school, but it was very reliable. And I found that having a much looser structure and not having rules for the sake of rules is a very helpful way a school can operate. It's, it's only helpful for some, Eamon. Some people like having rules and structure because they know where they stand. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it, it, well, look, no school is going to be entirely anarchistic. You. <laughs> can't legally operate yeah, yeah. on a structure of anarchy. You and you can't do, legally you do operate need on, a st- on, on, on something that's draconian either. No, but they still do, and it's um, it's a subjective term. But yes, I think having a school that um, has some flexibility and leeway, um, I think schools where they just whack you over the back of the head for breaking rules and don't encourage any discussion around them is really not the way to go. And yeah, it's yeah. always a balance that's required there. But uh, anyway, uh, we're gonna f- for now we're going to go to the interview with Tom Middlevich, who's a performing arts student at Monash University and who's come up with this exciting new idea called Spectrum Theatre. So, uh, Tom, would you like to tell us about uh, Spectrum Theatre? Spectrum Theatre is a new kind of performance style which me and a couple of other students are generating at the moment at Monash University. It's different to autistic theatre or theatre of the autistic, which we believe is a thing at this point, in that it's not just about putting autistic people on stage. It's very much about making the form of the theatre autistic. And what I mean by that is, you know, autistic people have over-sensory issues. You know, they get overstimulated from too much light or too much noise or instances of too much emotion. So those elements are very prevalent in the show. 
there are instances of autistic folks getting distracted easily, so we have distracting elements in the show. Oh, sorry, that's, the show is Them Aspies. Of- yes, the, uh, the, the piece, which the, the first experiment into making this or developing this theatre style was the show Them Aspies, which has now finished. Oh, and, and it's sold out, um, which is really, really pleasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was, it was that, that weird moment of, oh, we, we sold out an experiment of a show using a new form of theatre. What? That, that, that doesn't <laughs> happen. Uh, people usually hear experiment in the word theatre and run the other way. But no, it seems that people really took to this. And that's great, because it's, it's the sort of thing that really needs more voices to it at this point. And um, because, because I saw the show, of course, I know that you had a, a post-show forum for, for, for each performance. Were you happy with that as a, as, a, as a decision? And were you very pleased with the things that came out of those forums? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it had been a sort of definitive thing from the very beginning that we wanted to start conversation with this show. Um, with myself and my co-creator, Jessica Gonzalez, who, well, I'm also her co-creator because it's an even split thing. We wanted to start a conversation, as I said, and we decided to have the forum there to like, just literally start the conversation. So any feedback that we got in there was definitely a good thing to go with, um, positive and negative, which we did get both of, which you know, I think is good. It would be concerning if no one gave negative feedback um, at this stage in development. So, so were there any comments that surprised you and anything in particular you'll be keeping in mind next time you do a show like this? Well, I, I think the things that were most surprising were what people said about it in a positive way. I know that, that sounds really depressing, but uh, there was a particular person um, who came up to me and said that they, when they walked into the space, they expected to be able to pick who were the autistic actors and who weren't, because not all the actors in the show were, were on the spectrum, and we had trained them to perform like they were. So this person would come up and said they expected to be able to pick who was on the spectrum and who wasn't, and they hadn't been able to. So that was that was kind of surprising in that we succeeded very well in that regard. But in re, in, in in response to no, I, I, nothing really comes to mind at this point in terms of surprising things, which I, I think is good because it means that we considered all the angles when we were developing this show. So, so you talk mm. about the convincing uh, performances of the actors who, who weren't autistic. So what were the sort of methods you used to, to use the word training? So how, how did you train the non-autistic <laughs> actors to... Uh, to convince the audience that they themselves are autistic, and yeah, also how did you how did you work with the actors who were autistic? Well, for the actors that were autistic, it was a matter of delving into the traits they understood of themselves, and then playing around so that they could create an authentic character based off them. For the non-autistic actors, it was lots of workshops designed to grow the actors into an autistic mindset and I know that sounds really complex but basically we started out with really core themes of autistic experience i.e. overstimulation, disconnect from other people, wanting to be able to be in your own space and then as the weeks went on we became more complex with the scenes that we put people in so by the end we were having full-on picnics and beach trips and all that sort of stuff developing these characters as organically as possible we didn't really go through a checklist of sorts with all the traits. What we did was we got everyone to research the traits and then through the workshops that we did, find the ones that really resonated with them. 
So it became very much a personality thing when people chose a trait that they felt they understood. It wasn't so much, oh, I'll do this as an acting thing, which I think potentially made their characters, their, their aspie selves, as we came to call them, more authentic because essentially they were authentic. Um, oh, and I should have mentioned a bit, possibly a bit earlier in this interview, but you are on the spectrum yourself, of yes. course. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, they would never have let me get away with all this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I suppose I'm wondering, what, in terms of a medium to represent uh, autism or, or any sort of different way of thinking, uh, what, what do you think are the unique uh, strengths of theatre? Well, I think theatre has the strength of people just being there. I mean, it's the difference between watching a party on film and going to a party. You can do all you like in film to show or represent how crowded or how uncoordinated or how complex a party can be, but you don't really viscerally feel that unless you're there. I think that's what theatre offers is you were actually there, physically there, experiencing it with these people. I mean, that's always been the power of theatre. For me, you are alive in a chair watching these actors who are also alive and in front of you doing things. That's always been the power of live performance. It's why concerts are so powerful, because there's the element of people actually being there. And I think that's so important for autistic folks, because being there and being not only the centre of attention, but complexly understood, or at least presenting themselves thoroughly, is something that the theatre is very good at doing, or at least is a good avenue for. And before we were talking about the transition from primary school education into secondary school education, so now we thought we'd talk about secondary education mm. itself. Uh, what do you do once you've completed that transition, whether it was hard or easy, whatever, once you're over that hurdle, however big that hurdle was, uh, what next? So I'm happy to report that it was pretty much smooth sailing, very, very smooth sailing, very, very good sailing uh, after the transition. I, I was, as, 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 sort of, as I was saying before, I was sort of like all, all of the difficulties I was pretty much over with. And like there was a little bit of bullying in, in year seven from year eights. And, and even that was a sort of typical, like the year eights getting so excited that they're, they're not no longer at the bottom of the food chain. So that wasn't really anything to take too seriously. So it was, yeah, it was mostly just, and it was helped by the fact that I started an Asperger's club in year 11, so that, like, enabled me to connect with the other Aspies whilst, whilst also just sort of being very really? connected to the... Yeah. Wow. I, know, I, I, know, I, know, I know one other guy in some little who is an Aspie, and he huh. was quite obviously an Aspie because, he, hmm. yeah, he was still very much like I was in primary school, just hanging out in his own little world and just sitting down, sitting around and studying. But, yeah, uh, he and me were just like, yeah, we, we're kind of on the same wave, wavelength, even though that he's almost... Like, somebody characterized him as basically being a robot. And I'm just like, well, I wouldn't disagree with that, that, that summation. But I, I know you better, so it's, it, you, don't mm. worry, man, you're fine. Uh, basically what I said to him. Yeah. That's <laughs> mm. yeah, well, my school, um, so I went to, I changed schools in year nine. It was a private school that was quite much smaller. So... In, look, it was a great school environment. The teachers were very supportive. Socially, it was difficult for me. It was very cliquey. And contrary to what Hollywood makes it sound, high school cliques are not easily understood. It's not like there's the jocks and then there's the cheerleaders. 
it's very there's this bizarre mishmash of people, but it's sort of they're all all just basically a tribe that have nothing really in common. You can't figure it out. <laughs> but as I said, they probably just walked out worked up on the first day. Like, you want to be my friend? Like, yeah, sure. Well, it was a bit, it was a bit more than that because look, the school there were quite a few kids who would leave or you know start in um, during their you know as the years progressed. I think um, I think uh, uh, sort of like the Australian schools are a victim to sort of like the American cl- yeah. cliche click sort of stuff. You just have people just hang out and they don't particularly care as much. Uh, that being oh. said, there there is a well, the the only thing that made transition difficult, at least for me, was the fact that it was still bullying going on. I'm just like, uh, I'm so just sick of and over this. And well, yeah, yeah. that's I, I agree with that. That's pretty much what it's like in in high school. Like in in, in primary school, it can pretty, be pretty distressing and have serious effects on your sort of your own self esteem. But I think by high school, well, no, no mm. people still have their self esteem impacted in high school. But I think yeah, you and I are similar in that. By high school, you just sort of lost patience with it. Like you're no longer thinking. This is my fault. What have I done? You're just come on, guys. I'm yeah. sick of this. This is not funny. That I'm and, over this. Well, that this and you realise it's not the whole world against you. Mm. It's just one asshole. Well, <laughs> the thing, the thing with me was I didn't have that much bullying for a few years. One of the things was I was quite large, um, and yeah. could run and could pack a punch. So yeah, I don't think anybody would be picking ge- a fight yeah, with you, man. Generally, <laughs> people didn't. Not that I was violent, but people wouldn't really pick on me. But my school didn't really bully people, but there was clearly a, I guess, a social dislike. I remember there was this one girl who, I have to say, she certainly had her own problems, but um, basically she threw a party in Year 12 and invited every single person in the year level except me. Oh, I know. Nasty. I Kitty know. got claws. <laughs> Yeah, well, was, was that like purposeful, like a personal? It was deliberate. She yeah. denied it was happening to me. I'm sort mm. of, yeah. So did did she, did she at least like go? Oh, I I must have. No, she I denied. Must have forgotten she it. denied the party was happening when I asked her about oh. it. Oh, that's shocking. You got claws. I'm yep. s- uh, yeah. Look, I've moved on for it now, but I, these are these times I wish I could slip their name. And, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I won't. I'm kidding. Yeah. But look, um, I think the thing is there's going to be a lot of... Look, high school is a time when we're all learning about ourselves. We're coming to these discoveries. Everyone is forming their own identities. And look, there's often teething mistakes. There's often mistakes we make or things come off harder. I don't bear grudge to people in high school. It's taken me years to do this. But once you... I do think... Um, to anyone listening to this now who's in high school, once you can see them as children and as going through the same issues you are, you can start to forgive them. And only by forgiving can you really move on from what you've been through. It's it's that, and well, when you get into later high school, you realise that you're all kind of inside the same boat, so you help each other out a lot. Especially especially because I went to a high school where like there was. I think there was about 300 people at the year level. Ooh, um, mine had 30. I was getting tossed into the meat grinder. Well, it did have positive effects. It forced me to socialise and because well, yeah, I had to because, you know, there's a thousand of bloody people at the same place. Um, uh, that and it's, what's it called? It, 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 as, as you can see, there were, there were clearly some sort of just like some 
as you said, Eamon, some tribes just formed at Year 7 and they didn't. Even, they, they sort of just broke down mm. probably about Year 10 because they're just like, oh, my God, we're going to have to somehow fixate on a number that's going to dictate our destiny. Maybe we should help each other out a bit more. And then everything just... <laughs> we, we, yeah. By the end of it, everybody was mates with everybody except for, you know... I have to say, BCE is something that's, yeah, quite a... That is something in itself, because there is this high emphasis on getting good grades, getting in. I think one of the things, um, in terms of from a study perspective, I would say try to get special consideration as soon as possible. I know I'm being very practical here, but it's a very difficult process, and if you do have any kind of difficulty. Like, I suffer from fine motor skill difficulty, so needed a needed a um, keyboard and also have a few other things. So I've got ext- time extensions, and you want to get that stuff sorted out as soon as possible because it will, yeah, it's not something you can just come up on the day and say, hey, by the way, would I be able to get an extra two hours and just do this in the library. Yeah, that's that's true. And and, and in terms of advice for VC, I, I would also say, sort of going on this 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 talk of the that one number that takes the rest dictates the rest of your life and your future and what you'll get into. I I, I understand that. Okay, mm. that some people some students need to hear that because otherwise they're not going to be motivated. But for certain people on the spectrum, not not me, because by that point I I, I just sort of. I, I was able to consider it all from a holistic perspective of, you know, like a balanced position of, okay, it's not the most important thing in the world, it's not the least important thing in the world, but I suppose some people on the spectrum would take that very, very seriously and it would come a, become a real source of high anxiety and stress if they take their teachers at their word. So I think that's one thing to sort of remind them that it doesn't dictate the rest of your life. They, if, if, they're, if you're conscientious enough, you don't have to hear that whole, you know, that all, all, all of that in order to get you the work. You just need to you just need to think, okay, well, this can only benefit me, so I might as well try my best. But it's no, you know, it's no point sort of imagining my future being and you know being being a wreck if I slip up on this one question or or, or whatever. I think a balanced perspective you really do need to have, particularly for the people who could possibly be anxious. We've just been talking about primary education, secondary education, and all the stuff in between, and basically just found it to be a a mixed bag of as, as long as you're putting the right supports in place and as long as you realise where all of the kids are at, not just the ones off the, on the spectrum and off mm. or, or at, at, at each year level, you can basically do more than just survive but you know, mm. make it a successful 13 or so years. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, my God, I spent a third of my goddamn life learning stuff. <laughs> you kind of look back and you're like, what the yeah. hell did I just do? Exactly. So I know if you're spending a third of your life doing it, you might as well try to enjoy at least some of it, mm. which from the sound of things we've uh, we've mostly managed to do. I, I think it's a process of just getting over stuff. Like the whole, like you realise that bullying inside primary school was just juvenile, just juvenile crap. And inside high school, was just as I said, you just, you get sick of it and you don't take it anymore. Yeah, exactly. As as as, as Emma was saying, you really just have to forgive. Well, forgive as long as the person understands why that was wrong. Yeah, like if, if, they, the person... if, they, if they understand it, it's just like, oh, yeah, you, oh, yeah I, I had lots of fun yes. beating the crap well, out well, of you. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was more talking about forgive hmm. more in a t- retrospective term. Yeah. Don't, don't, perhaps whilst you're doing it, look, it's, it, I know it's just 
way too hard to do it yeah whilst you're in that moment but when you go at home at night sometimes it does help to just move on from it yeah exactly and, and often you know, you'd hope that the person would have matured beyond that point if they if they still haven't grown up then well that's a different thing but if if they have if they have moved past the maturity level of an 11 year old then I, I think yeah the, just leave the past in the past so sally that is really all we have time for this week uh but don't please remember to like us on facebook uh www.facebook.com slash great minds on sin follow us on twitter at gmdtasyn and we, we also podcast all of our shows including this one in case you missed some of it and special features like full interviews such as this week's mm. fantastic one with tom middleditch yeah, which very I, good and great interviewer by the way oh, <laughs> thanks oh much yeah much. blow your own trumpet man <laughs> i didn't interview him he did <laughs> yeah yeah Callan yeah. <laughs> got a bit confused there but <laughs> But yeah, yeah, look, it was a great topic to be talking about. So definitely would recommend that one. So thank you very much for having us. Uh, You were with me, Christian. Me, Eamon. And me, Cal. Thanks for listening.